0: This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show.
1: Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text in. What are your thoughts on cut day? Who surprised you the most? Who do you want to see make the roster that is on the fringe? Again, 704 9610 Sorry if I wasn't clear. Scott and Belmont was telling me that it was a pick swap, not just even a pick alone, that Carolina traded to Kansas City. Yes, that's correct. It was a pick swap, a conditional seventh-round pick swap. So Carolina would get the worst of the seventh-round picks. Conditionally, imagine if there's some kind of playing time incentive for ISM. Do we like the acronym there? Do we like the abbreviation?
2: ISM. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. It's quick enough. Amir
1: Smith marset Yeah, I saw Josh Klein try it out a little bit. You like just saying the whole name, Teddy? Here's my thing with whenever you start going to the initials. Like, I feel like you got to be a dude. He's a
3: preseason star. Has he earned the right for us to just start saying his initials? But it makes
1: it easier for me. And so even I, if okay, you're right, then I
3: want you to start calling me JDM.
1: Yeah, but Josh is a one-syllable thing. It's not hard to say. I don't care. And Fitty just rolls off the tongue. But I, I'm I'm JDM now. JDM is harder to say. It doesn't make any sense. No, I'm I get you a JD little DM. bit. Yeah, JDM. About <laughs> J, plus, it'd be
2: JFM, right? JD would be better. I JD now. I could call you JD. JD fits your country uh, demeanor persona a little bit more. All JD on yeah. the ones and twos. <laughs> you know,
3: I wanted to try it out in high school. Because like in high school, I went by my last name, and it got kind of annoying. I had teachers that did not know what my first name was, but I was never confident enough to be like, hey, I'm JD. But maybe y'all are now giving me the confidence to, maybe I should change my dating profile to JD. You
1: never watched Scrubs either, right? No. I told you, it's the most underrated sitcom of all time. They don't have the laugh track. I know you're a laugh track guy. It does not have that, but it's still phenomenal. And J.D. is the lead character, Zach Braff. And so maybe you can identify most underrated sitcom ever. Not here to argue. Argue with somebody else. It's the most underrated sitcom of all time. So, yes, it was a conditional pick swap, not just an outright conditional seventh round pick going to Kansas City. J.D. Marlowe. I like J.D. Marlowe. C.J. said Spencer Brown was awful last year in that game at Atlanta with P.J. Walker starting, missed blocks, ran wrong routes. We don't have to worry about Spencer Brown anymore, at least not right now. Could be on the practice squad after all of this, but he did not make the roster. That was C.J.'s text. Heart stopper Harley. Heart Harley. That's one that's tough. Maybe we just go HSH right there. Maybe I'm crazy, but I never saw anything out of Shai Smith in any of the games he played that really impressed me enough to make the team. Well, and I think the coaching staff and eventually Scott Fitter would agree with HSH on that text message. That's why I wasn't as surprised as well. I don't think I would have had Shai Smith getting cut at the very beginning of this process, but it became pretty apparent. And I would say even Wes early on, it became apparent. So you sign Adam Thielen, you sign DJ Chark. They're talking up LaVisca Chennault. They draft Jonathan Mingo. Terrace Marshall Jr. is making some waves in camp. Okay, that's five right there. Shai Smith, if he makes the team, it's going to be the sixth receiver. Demir Bird goes on IR. Then you think, all right, that's going to be the saving grace for Shai Smith to make this team. But then Derek Wright starts to show out and then they even trade for Kansas City. Wes, I think it's fair to say, there are there were even with the top 5 guys I talked about there were still a couple of avenues for shy to make this team and he still didn't they still felt like they needed to make that trade they still felt even after an injury that Shai Smith wasn't good enough to make this roster. And sure enough, he doesn't. He's free to be had out there by any other NFL squad.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. He did lead the Panthers in receiving during the preseason with 88 yards on seven catches. But uh, like you said, I mean, there were different things that showed the fact that it was going to be an uphill climb for him to make it as the preseason went on. And he ended up being a casualty.
1: All right, let's go to a couple of other texts before we get to second take Tuesday. YGM isn't a dude and you use his initials. That's a good point. From nine eight zero, you just need to call him Gross Matos now, Fitty. Or? I just call him Gross because that's what his play is on the field. Ooh, left you open for that one. <laughs> Sometimes these jokes get me a little bit more than others. It was so obvious, but I still loved it. I still loved what he gave me there, and a lot of people saying yes, Scrubs is fantastic. You want to get to second take Tuesday, Wes? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it right now. Here's my theme. After going back and watching the film intently, like a coach would, Mm -hmm. sleeping in the film room, I just thought Bryce recognized exactly what to do both within the confines of the offense and out of structure. Just not making any mistakes, Wes. I mean, I really was paying attention to every single throw and run that he had, especially against Detroit. He didn't do anything wrong at all. Looking downfield, pressure comes, hits his outlet early to pick up five yards instead of getting dropped for a loss. Smith not open on the screen, throws it in the dirt. Now it's time to make something happen on third down, has to play play out of structure, does so, makes a lineman miss twice. You know how we said, oh, he made the lineman for the Lions miss on that one big ol' scramble where he converts like a a five-yard loss into a five-yard pickup? The very next play on third and two, he makes somebody miss, Wes. And so, yeah, I just thought the theme for me was that Bryce Young did not make any mistake, even in the preseason, didn't have one turnover-worthy play, and it showed against Detroit and hooked up for a score and led this team to a field goal. Loved what we got from Bryce on a second-take-two Tuesday theme. Did you want to start us off with a particular play or theme?
2: Yeah, I mean, the play that I think about is the first play when he hits Mingo. Mingo definitely showed some good catch and run capabilities for the second straight game. I mean, he does look kind of Debo-like after the catch, not quite as bruising and ferocious when he runs with the ball, but this is a guy that guys bounce off of him when he gets the football out in the open field. So I think you have to be excited to the element that he brings to the receiving core in that regard, because Adam feeling, you know, he's a guy that for the most part, unless something happens, he's going to catch the ball and get tackled fairly quickly, and then you talk about DJ Chark as well, and he's not necessarily known for his run after the catch. It's the the route running deep that gets him uh, the bulk of his yards, but I think that Mingo, you like that, that he brings that to the table, especially maybe, you know, you complete the completion short of the line, and this is the guy that can run uh, and get you out of trouble, and then as you talked about Bryce just showing that pocket awareness on the scrambles when trouble was coming, showing you that that's a part of his game. He can help uh, the offensive line in those regards for a unit that looks shaky at this point. And so you like the fact that you've got a quarterback that looks like he can be able to make some guys miss and make things happen.
1: All right. So I went with a couple of the same things you did. The first play, I pointed that one out as well. What I liked about it was first play of the game. Boom. Young's in shotgun. No play action. Action, nothing. We're throwing the ball. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to throw the ball on first and 10 with 15 minutes to go in the first quarter. First play. We're throwing it. Mingo runs a slant from the outside. And if you pause it, Wes, here we are discussing how the wide receivers don't create a lot of separation. Miles of separation between Mingo and the defensive back. Makes a miss. And then you mentioned the yak. Makes the right read on the block downfield and picks up five extra yards from where he could have been tackled. So in a play where you're talking about Bryce Young throwing the football, not any disguise. You're in shotgun. Yeah, you could have handed it off to a running back right beside you at the same time. They didn't go play action. Mingo got so much separation in the middle of the field, and the routes outside of everything else, they cleared the middle of the field for Mingo. Thought it was a good play design right off the rip to try to get the fan base something hungry about, right? Like, okay, we're we're hungry for a touchdown. It's here. They're going to be aggressive. That was fun. You mentioned the scrambles. Yeah, exactly exactly what I was talking about. Second and seven. Bryce Young scrambles to the left, gets five yards. And then so that third and 12, what could have been, it turns into a third and two. And I saw a few people praising Anthony Richardson for his ability in college, and then what he showed in a couple preseason games, to turn sacks for a loss into minimal, decent size, or maybe even no gain, but it wasn't a loss. Bryce Young does the same thing there, and then on third and two puts the left end on skates this time. Each defensive end had their turn getting on ice, and Bryce Young picks up the first down. Completely agree with you on both of those, Wes. First game, I thought there were, or first play, thought there were some things to take away, and even both of the screens. Some things to take away.
2: Yeah, and then also early on in that game, as I said, the more I saw him uh, hitting Thielen on some of those throws, and it just looks like to me, just his comfort level is there with him the most. And I think that Thielen being the vet, uh, Thielen being a leader on this offense, and you could maybe say right now that he may be the leader uh, on this offense as he is the elder statesman around so many young guys. And I think that looking at that early, I said, man, these two can really establish uh, a great connection together. You like what you saw from those two. The touchdown reception uh, even aside from that the other catches that he had. It just looks like he has a a really good formula going with him and I think a lot of it is because Phelan is that vet. He's well versed. He's been in the league for a while. Bryce Young is a guy who prepares like a vet because when you look at that throw in the first quarter uh, with about 6.17 to go when he hit Adam Phelan over there on the sideline that was a, a very nice nice completion as well and so that was one of my big takeaways as I watched this game
1: yeah yeah on that throw it second take Tuesday also you look at the offensive line it 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 still wasn't great in this game it wasn't awful it wasn't like it was against the Giants and the Jets but there's still some problems and Wes even going back over it Iki Kwanu even without the sack that he gave up. I mean, I, I hate it. That leads me to my next play, because I, I, I want Icky to work out. Everybody wants Icky to work out, and it doesn't mean that we need to be so worried about it now in the preseason, but here's a play I'll bring up. So it was first and 10 at the Detroit 16. That's when Bryce Young was sacked for that seven-yard loss. You tell me, Wes. I want help from a left tackle. I want help from somebody that played it at a high level. So it's play action. Maybe Icky needs to set up a run, but it doesn't allow him to prepare for an outside rush is what he gets beat on for the sack. I think he's standing up a little too much. Kick slide non-existent for Icky in that play. It does happen to Hayden Hurst on the other side because remember there was a split sack. It was Aquara and Houston. They were able to bring Bryce Young down. So I wonder if they're trying to set up the play action a little more so by faking run blocking and then just not getting to the outside. They both get beat by outside rushes. I just don't think the technique was good at all by Icky on that rush, and that's how Bryce Young is dropped down and he can't have enough. He doesn't have enough space not have enough time, I should say, to step up into the pocket. So you tell me, is it technique? Is it just a fantastic move from James Houston? Because all I saw was an outside rush. He fakes inside a little bit, but it's not like Icky bites a ton. He
2: just gets flat out beat by athleticism on the outside. Well, the thing is, is that it's technique. I mean, when you yeah. look at Icky on this block, he starts to bend over. He starts blocking with his upper body. Yeah, he starts to block with his upper body and he starts to tip over uh, like you're pouring tea into a cup and as an (laughs) offensive lineman that's not what you want and the feet stop and that's the problem too one of the biggest issues that I would have at times and a lot of linemen have it is putting your head into the block because for one naturally you're not made to do some of those movements that you have to do but when you look at this sack you know the guy comes off He gets a decent first step but Icky's right there. The coverage is good but then he wants to start mirroring him and then like I said he starts to tilt over that upper body head goes into the block a little bit too much and at that point he stops bringing the feet. The feet start getting behind him. That outside leg starts to come back. He opens up that door for him. The guy just makes another, a secondary move uh, on that as far as it was just nothing more than getting that shoulder down just a little bit. He beat him to the edge and he gets the sack. That's why it worries me
1: because it wasn't this extensive move. He yeah, had some
2: technique stuff all game long.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I think you can easily see it. If you go back on YouTube, it's really easy to find. If you just go watch that play, but Is does play action matter at all in that, Wes? I mean, is he trying to sell the run block but not kicking out at all? Because you can see the moment he's beat. He's got got leverage. Houston, as soon as he moves outside, both of Icky's feet are together. They're not even shoulder-width apart. They're not wide at all. And boom, Houston is gone. I just wonder if there's anything to do trying to sell run block because it does happen to Hayden Hurst on the other side. The difference is Hurst is a pass-catching tight end, and Icky Kwan is supposed to be your franchise left tackle. So there's a little bit more of a built-in excuse on the other side. But Icky, for me, it just feels like he is is trying to sell something, and the feet are all wrong, as you mentioned.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was a play action. They wanted to sell the run just a little bit so the linemen weren't going as deep into their pass as they were kind of doing a quick drop and then get your hands on him. But the problem was, like I said, it he couldn't keep the hands on him, lock him up in there long enough, and so the play got a little drawn out because you could attribute a little bit of this to a coverage sack because Bryce had to drop back and, you know, he didn't necessarily see anything at the bottom of his drop because he gets the beat once he gets to the bottom of the drop that... And by the time he puts that last foot down at the end of his drop, and you can count a 1,001, to me that's adequate enough time for him to be able to throw something if something is open. So something was not open, and that gave the defensive lineman, James Houston, just enough time to get around there and get him. So uh, Icky would have been okay perhaps if Bryce was able to get the ball out just a little bit quicker if somebody had been open. But still at the end of the day, you know, You talk about a play like that when you see the lineman not dropping as deep, that means the throw needs to be gone a little bit quicker. All right, so deep dive into the film on Icky Equanu. Let's go to some national (laughs)
1: pundits. Yes, Icky Equanu, as Matt Ryan might say. Let's go to some other national pundits and what they had to say about this game on a second take Tuesday. We referenced the Dan Orlovsky sound clip quite a bit. Well, we have it for you. Here's Dan Orlovsky talking about Bryce Young, how his anticipation is sick, how he talked about how sick it was on Saturday. This young
4: man's a rookie. Rookie. Look at at, the balls coming out of his hand. (laughs) He's throwing it to this guy. Young man's a rookie. (laughs) And perfectly. Give me something, Dan. You want to see the ability to anticipate with touch, accuracy, ball placement. He's throwing that ball now.
2: That
1: is sick. (laughs) Okay, if you guys have seen Swamp Kings, Dan Orlovsky sounds like Tim Tebow whispering the whole time. He does. I
2: thought that was funny when somebody brought that out, the fact that Tebow was whispering the whole thing. We didn't just want to beat him. (laughs) We wanted to
1: dominate them. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky. The anticipation. Yeah. It's sick. Yeah. That's Dan Orlovsky falling in love with what Bryce Young did against the Detroit Lions. And maybe JTO then will actually give us some a little bit more volume than Orlovsky. But here he is also talking about the anticipation of one Bryce Young. A lot to like, a lot to be optimistic about if you're a Carolina Panthers fan. I love, love, love the anticipation. I think it's borderline as good as anybody in the league right now, and he hasn't played a real snap yet. Uh, He's got all sorts of accuracy, precision, decisiveness, um, but let's be real. We've got some issues on the perimeter, y'all. There's not a lot of space for us to throw to. There's not a lot of consistent winners. There's almost no one who can go out there and get their own shot as far as being able to create on damn near any one-on-one opportunity. So we're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to see some serious offensive architecture to create chunk opportunities down the field. Definitely thinking, you know, moving the launch point, play action shots, getting creative, all those types of things. It's going to be a long season out there, outside the numbers, being able to create space. So getting creative in that regard is going to really help Bryce Young, in my opinion. But man, I love, love, love the anticipation.
2: Google. You don't want to hear that. What was that sound bite again? (laughs) 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 You don't want to hear that, man. That was was not a a glowing preview of what's to come. Basically, you're telling me that Bryce Young is the man and he's going to suffer this season at the hands of his supporting cast.
1: On one hand, you're watching a team that did not have three of their wide receivers that might play out there on the outside. DJ Chark didn't play against the Lions. This was the film he was breaking down. Terrace Marshall wasn't playing out there. And so DJ Chark, LaVisca Shenault, he's not going to be on the outside either way. So it's TMJ and it is DJ Chark. Those are the two guys that you're missing. I'll say this. They did manufacture some space for Mingo. And also Mingo beat his guy one-on-one pretty easily. Mingo going to be wildly interesting this year. we know that a second round wide receiver you're looking for the long term impact but is he just going to be someone that Bryce Young feels is more open because the separation is there more so I mean he's talking about Adam Thielen Wes he's talking about Thielen despite having four catches he's talking about Thielen not creating that separation so you are relying if you have high expectations wide receiver one expectations for Thielen then all of that confidence has to be put forth into Bryce Young just hitting the guy on the numbers because there's not going to be much space between Adam Thielen
2: and the nearest defender. Now, if I hear him right, though, he is saying about separation as far as getting down the field, creating downfield opportunities was what he said, correct? I think outside, he said outside
1: the numbers. I I took it as your ex-receiver outside the numbers. If you're throwing far away and it's not in the middle of the field, who are the guys running those routes? Yeah. Well, Thielen in the slot, that's going to be the guy that I mean. That's going to be how you manufacture something for an older wide receiver. And then, so who can, who can get that out on on the outside? I think Chart can, especially deep routes. I think Chart can do that, but the old problem is here again with DJ Chark being heard, and we don't expect him to be ready for week one.
2: Yeah, man, and that's the thing too, and I wonder if he also took into account who is on the roster in its totality or maybe not who he was looking at at the moment, but we'll see, but definitely uh, wanting Chark and TMJ to get back ASAP.
0: You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next only on Sports Radio 90 2.7 WFNC. The exclusive
1: home of the Charlotte Sports
2: Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken, they're true to chicken. The McCrispy only at mcdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba
0: you're listening to instant replay on sports radio 92.7 wfnz because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice earlier today on the mac and bone show
3: Let's turn to our guest and let him do the heavy lifting during this segment. Uh, Adam Gold uh, does a uh, amazing show for uh, on ninety nine nine the fan in Raleigh. I believe he right now bone is so excited about the Smith Marset trade the Panthers have made, but we will ask that he stays focused on ACC football Week <laughs> One instead. What's up, Adam? How you doing,
4: brother? I'm doing well. By the way, Smith-Marset is also good on set pieces. Uh, He does sound like somebody who comes on in like the 70th minute for West Ham. Takes a free kick. (laughs) (laughs) That's well played. I like that. That is very well played. Adam's in
5: mid-season four right now. There you go.
4: There you go. Um,
3: All right. It's go time, man. It is finally here. Week one of college football is here. And we're going to talk in a little bit about my indecisiveness when it comes to the South Carolina North Carolina game, I'm just having a hard time like separating these two teams. What's your feeling? Do you think the Heels can can get a big win on Saturday? What's, what's your lean in this game?
4: My lean? <laughs> <laughs> um, the My brain tells me that North Carolina is the better team. I don't know if North Carolina is going to be able to stop anything, uh, but I think they can score on anybody, just about. Um, but I keep going back to this point in the Mac Brown era and this is not a necessarily a knock on Mac but it's going to sound like it North Carolina has not been able to meet the moment they have not won the game that they were supposed to win they've won a lot of games and they're really talented especially offensively but they have not been able to rise to the occasion when they need it and they need it they're going to they're going to have to play well against South Carolina to win this game in Charlotte And I know their offense will be there. I don't know if their defense will. I still don't know if they have any like disruptors on the defensive line. Cedric Gray is is really nice, and there are some other nice pieces uh, maybe in the back seven. But I don't know if anybody on the defensive line is going to be able to mess things up for South Carolina. And Spencer Rattler looked better by the end of last season, and all the reports are that he's coming into his own finally. Adam,
5: it's been a little bit difficult here in our discussions to try to figure out how we're viewing and judging Matt Brown instant stint two because he's raised the bar for talent, which has raised expectations. But when the bar's gotten raised, he's kind of underachieved for the expectations that he's made higher. So would you say that in this matchup, game one, Game days there. He's got one of the best quarterbacks, maybe in ACC history, potentially. That this might be the biggest game for UNC in Mac Brownstown, too, to try to determine his his legacy for this particular run.
4: Well, I don't know about legacy, but to me, right now, Matt Brown and Chuck Amato have very similar uh, impacts on their program. They've raised a level of a level of expectation. They've raised a level of excitement. Uh, Max won a little bit more than Chuck did. Chuck was pretty much hovering in, the, like, other than the weird 10-win year, ten win year when they beat two FCS teams and really didn't play a great schedule, um, although they did have the Ohio State loss that year, and then they, they closed it out with a win over Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. Um, that was the only, you know, 10-win, se- double-digit win season. Max won it, right? Max had some really good years, Uh, And last year they underachieved at the end to end up finishing nine and four. Um, But yeah, this is this game. Like, uh, let me big picture this, not only for North Carolina, but for the league. I think this game is more important to the league than the Florida state LSU game. From this standpoint, Florida state LSU is for top 10 matchup. And it's going to have national, you know, potentially playoff implications. North Carolina, while the schedule is not easy, this is their only big game until they see Clemson at the end of, to the uh, second to last week of the season. So if they lose this, there's no there's no reclamation game for them. Florida State still has the Clemson game in Death Valley in Week Four. Um, this is an, a hugely important game for North Carolina if they are going to challenge for the ACC. It's also an indicator. Uh, but I just think that there are so many intangible things riding on this game for North Carolina, and it's the, maybe the biggest reason why it terrifies me for them because they haven't played I me. Mean, they lost to Georgia Tech last year in a game they couldn't lose. Yeah. So I think North Carolina will win, but I think it will be more interesting – uh, from a nerve standpoint okay.
5: than it needs to be. Also lost to Georgia Tech the year before. Not that I'm keeping track of these things over here. <laughs> Not that you're right, keeping track exactly. of rough moments for No, the I don't. I'm just, I'm just uh, <laughs> making sure that the information is presented there. Okay? Oh, man. Adam oh, Gold is
3: with us. 99-9 to Fanny Raleigh. We're talking ACC week one. It's here finally. Heck, we're two days away from the Wolfpack opening up in a game against UConn. I have seen some people try to toss out the little upset alert because Jim Moore, Jr., actually got something out of UConn for a change uh, last year um, uh, for the first time in years. What do you think? Is is this all a dangerous spot for the Wolf Pack on Thursday? And what do you think in general of the pack this year? What do you expect from them?
4: I, ex- I expect them to change their philosophy. I am counting on Dave Doran, uh, who said, I think it was yesterday, uh, that basically we're going to let it rip. We're not going to leave. I mean, they may not... Uh, open up 100% of the playbook in week one, but he has said, he told me personally, that we have to score. So I don't think they're going to be conservative offensively. I think they'll let Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I maybe get back, go back to the future. Uh, you know, the offense that they had in Virginia two years ago, which was like a 5,000-yard combination for Brennan Armstrong between passing and running, uh, they have to do that because you can't win games in college football this, you know, nowadays by scoring in the 20s. You got to be in the 30s, um, and I think this opener is perfect for them. Connecticut's not bad. They were a bowl team last year. It's not a. I know State beat them 41 nothing. I think in the uh, in their meeting last year, but that's not the same Connecticut team. They're better. It's up there. State will have to play well. And I actually think it's the perfect opener for them because it should have their attention because it's it they're not playing VMI if it, if this was a VMI game it wouldn't matter how state played yeah. but it matters how they play I think it also sets them up well for the Notre Dame game in a week that it gives them they they must play well they you're just not going to fake it and beat UConn uh, as as average as UConn is. It's a much better way to open the season. Adam, what's
5: been your reaction to the uh, the Tez Walker situation with the NCAA at UNC?
4: I mean, there's real. It's I'm embarrassed for the NCAA. I mean, totally embarrassed. I mean, are you really going to get him on a technicality? I mean, it really is the first time he transferred because he didn't play at Central. Yes, he did go through spring ball at Central before he te- he transferred to Kent State. But the year he was going to play, they canceled the season. So I just don't understand why the NCAA does things like this. It, it, nobody gets hurt if Tez Walker plays. By the way, was it Daryl Jackson from uh, Florida State? Uh, maybe not a identical situations. Who gets hurt? Who's, who's the agreement party? if these guys are are allowed to play or on the field. Great point. And I just don't even understand uh, what the NCAA, what their decision-making process is. And also, it ain't like any of this information is new. We could have had a decision on this four weeks ago. We've been been dealing with this for four weeks. I know North Carolina is getting a little bit of heat up here because, hey, didn't you know this was going to be a problem uh, when he transferred, he's been on campus since January. What January seventh, yeah. something like that. A week before they they changed the rule. I mean, when he got here, when he transferred, he was all, he was eligible. Yeah, there there was no rule problem. So they changed the rule a week week after he got here. I feel bad for the kid. Uh, it doesn't matter to me whether or not North Carolina has access to a player. Uh, it's really more about the athlete. Like, he transferred here. He wants to play. Why can't he play? He's eligible. Why can't he play? The the NCAA
5: timing's absurd. We see it in basketball, too, where what are they doing for, like, three or four months before the season starts? Why is this not decided in May, June, early July? It's It's ridiculous. Camp is starting for Tez Walker. He's out there. And then you right. can't play. It's just a, what are they doing this whole? I I I just well, you sound like Will Ferrell. Uh, what what is she doing I know, up there? I know, what is she I, doing? Sometimes I do that. Yeah. <laughs> They're
3: party planning. <laughs> Apparently so. All right. Before we get you out of here, my friend Bone Man here. I, he seems a little. I'm not saying he's calling for the upset Monday night, but he seems a little optimistic that Duke can can compete with Clemson on Monday night more than most think. Do you think, I mean, I think we all probably agree Duke's got a hell of a football team, but are they ready to like go toe to toe for four quarters with Clemson or, or no, Adam, what do you think? I think
4: so. You do? Um, I've been, yeah, I do. I love, I love the blue devils. Uh, do I think they're going to win? I look I've been, I've been kind of half joking for about the last three months that, uh, Clemson's walking into a hornet's nest, but I don't believe Wallace Wade Stadium is a hornet's nest on its best day. Uh, But I think Duke has a good enough team to beat Clemson if Clemson is not on top of their game. Like I said about State, you're not going to go up there and fake it against UConn. Clemson better be ready to play because I think this Duke team is arguably better than they were a year ago, Um, although I do think that at the end of the season – the phrase greatest five and seven team we've ever seen might be uttered about these Blue Devils. The schedule is ridiculous. I don't know. But Duke is paying the price for however many years of being in the coastal division. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? They have the only top team they miss is Florida State. But they have the, the, the other good te- all of the other good teams in the ACC, plus Notre Dame on the schedule. It's uh, just murderer's row. But um, I like I like the spot for Duke because week one is a weird week, uh, and I think Riley Leonard is criminally underrated as a football player. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country.
5: Adam, when I, when I come on your show, and I, I do agree with that Leonard take there, when I come on your show, we talk about sports, we talk about life, and we often talk about fast food. Uh, Mac and I, uh, later this week, we're going to try – the new Chick-fil-A sandwich, the chicken sandwich with honey, pimento cheese, and they, they put jalapeno peppers on there. I won't do that, but what's your interest level in the new jalapeno honey pimento Chick-fil-A sandwich?
4: I li- I I do like that. Um Bo, Bo was supposed to be going through the Arby's drive-thru when he came on the show last week and I was gonna order for him. I was gonna order him the Arby's hush puppy bread yeah. fish sticks. I got stuck
5: I, I got stuck in traffic in the whole plan. Mac right now was thinking this is how my co host spends his afternoons ordering food on other radio shows. I'm jealous, man. I want to add
3: him to order some fast food for me, man. Call in and Let's do, do, it. Make Let's it, do it, it. Call in and do it. Make it a thing.
4: <laughs> it's it's such a great bit. Like we we used to do a bit where we would have people call up and tell us what they were having for lunch and we were dying for the time where somebody was in the drive-thru so i could place the order plus i'm buying if it works out i'm buying oh, now lunch. Really Yeah, now oh, this well, is a great we'll, bit we'll, now
3: we'll,
5: we'll leave right now and do this
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love it man we have a lot of common interests adam the sports the food uh we have a lot of common interests man hey keep up the good work in raleigh and thanks for coming
4: on brother <laughs> Same to you guys. I appreciate it as always. Anytime.
0: Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 wfnc
1: The exclusive home
0: of the Charlotte Sports Fan.
2: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
0: Play on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this week on the Kyle Bailey Show.
6: Steve Smith Senior joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline to recap the preseason. Look ahead and uh, do it the way that only Smitty does. It's good to have him back. Steve, how are you, bud? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy preseason's over. I always get excited when it gets here because that means things are close, but uh, it's agonizing because we all want to watch games that count, and uh, I guess as you pointed out a little while ago, now we get to talk maybe big picture about what this team is and what they are not. What do you think about that coming out of the preseason?
7: It's a wild one, right? It's a wild one for everybody, including the Carolina Panthers. You know, me and you have extensive text message dialogue about what we're going to talk about, how we're going to talk about, a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, intriguing debates between me and you via short text and long text. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of a good, bad, um, in, in some of insightful information, and some of it's just, let's be honest, the last preseason game for your Carolina Panthers, for our Carolina Panthers, and also other teams, is ugly football. And the reason why I believe it's ugly football is, when you remove the fourth game, you now have to expedite players that are inexperienced. And let's be honest, not all football is made equally in, in the college football world. You put some of these young, inexperienced guys, baptism by fire, in the game. And so they have to implement what they learned in the classroom in the well con- in. Well incon- Condition, air-conditioned facilities, nice cushioned seats, and then get hit upside the head by another individual who is extremely violent, who's also fighting for his family. Yep. And you got to put it all together, regurgitate it, and act it out in seconds, and make the right decision for seventy straight plays. Man, not not everybody handles that kind of pressure the same, and so that's why you have the the. Up and downness of preseason, like the loss, like the Los, uh, those L.A. Rams getting mollywopped and not scoring a point because of you got sloppy football played by young players on the National Football League that at the at, at the at the eyesight of of rabid avid football fans ready for real good football.
6: So I'm glad you said that. Kind of off script here, but I saw a quote from Mike Tomlin last week, and I loved it. Uh, Mike says a lot of smart things, but to your point a second ago, Mike was asked about preseason playing his guys, and he said, quote, I don't need any validation. I just think it's difficult to box without sparring. Uh, the preseason is an opportunity for us to spar and sharpen our sword before battle. I just think it's difficult to box without sparring. Um, we've heard a lot about starters resting and not playing in the preseason the last couple of years, and I'm sure that will continue at certain positions. But do you think we see and maybe are seeing a bit of a mind shift mind shift set, reset back to the way things used to be, where there are coaches saying, you know what, my guys need to play football to get ready to play tackle football? I
7: believe so. And I also believe the USFL and the XFL, it, this is totally off script is an excellent way to get some of these players who don't have experience, who for whatever reason sometimes go to a team that's a crowded room and they don't have the skill set to break into seeing, you know, in the third and fourth group, in the fifth and sixth group. You got to understand, man, I think, I believe the Carolina Panthers opening up before, you know, training camp, whatever. they had like 14 guys at wide receiver before injuries. Man, it's only three wide receivers can play, maybe four, right? So you're talking about what's that? you got to have four sets of four, 16 guys, for you to get a legitimate look at someone. You can't, and you got to run the football too. So it's impossible, and I think that's why the XFL and the UFL, I think if done right, that can be a league where you may not be a starter in the NFL, but you can make some good money playing lower division football And make a career out of it because we need it. Not everybody's a superstar. There's some folks that are just middle of the road. And there's nothing wrong with it, but at least you know what you're buying a ticket for. Versus in a preseason game, you also can't tell who can play. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sit here and say, man, I think this is a good team. I I was doing my show Most Interesting Jobs, you saw on my social media. And I was working with the Dallas Cowboys. Will Greer had 200-something yards, 320 yards. He played the whole game. He scored two touchdowns. But, bro, I'm going to tell you, he scored two touchdowns, but he also looked off a wide-open wide receiver because he wasn't processing fast enough. So he had a good game statistically. But I don't think he had a game processing, going through his progressions, and, and throwing the right ball to the right person. But you don't see that because you just look at the score and what he done, and you go, man, he played well. He did play well, but he didn't play well enough to be the third quarterback on that roster.
6: Fair enough. Steve Smith, senior Panthers legend, NFL Network analyst. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, how well did Bryce play on Friday? Scored a couple of scoring drives. They even let him run the football. Like, What, what did we learn about the Rook on Friday night?
7: Man, what we learned about the Rook is what all, everybody keeps trying to Overlooked because they're too enamored or addicted to the height conversation. is he can play football.
6: Yeah,
7: that's that's what I learned. But I've been in practice a few times, so I I, I kind of know. But everybody talks about height as if it's like a staph infection or something that you need to get it removed. <laughs> oh,
6: I, I just don't get it. <laughs> is, it that, is it? I'm sorry, you got the whole room cracking up. Is it that extreme? Is it that? Well, bad? Have you not? Oh, his height. I I've had. I've had people who look like they've never played football in their life
7: beyond middle school. Man, I'm just worried about Bryce's height. I'm like, but he could throw the football. Yeah, I don't know. You know, he was playing with, you know, he had a strong offensive line in Alabama, so I'm not sure. That might be fool's gold. And I'm going, wow. So him winning a Heisman, Alabama, oh, it was the height. But some of these other people who played at Oklahoma who won the Heisman, they just get a hall pass. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But, hey, what
6: do I know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. So um a couple things I want to get to. What he threw a touchdown pass to Adam Thielen. And, you know, wide receiver's obviously a big conversation this week. Adam Thielen gets hurt on the first drive, then he comes back out and scores that touchdown. I like the you know what we saw from him. But others are looking at Adam Thielen and thinking, okay, is he going to hold up? You know, what, How is he going to contribute to this offense? What's been your view? Since you know the position better than anybody in this conversation, what's been your view of Adam Thielen so far?
7: I mean, Adam Thielen is a savvy vet. He understands. He's he, With a young receiver, I mean, with a young quarterback, you always got to get someone that the quarterback relies on that can have confidence in. And, you know, obviously it always goes to the older guy. But then there'll be a younger guy. Who kinda of shows up as well. Adam Thielen is exactly who he is, is Mr. Reliable, a guy that you could depend on, and they depend on him and and the game the game plan will dict- game plan will dictate that. But they Frank Wright, Scott Fitter has done a fantastic job of not just relying on Adam Thielen, but obviously Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chart, um, you know, they've gotten uh Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders. They, they got a lot of different guys out there, so you can't just key on one person.
6: Two quick things to let you go. We got Steve Smith, senior Panthers legend, NFL Network analyst. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Is it too early in the season for me to ask you which side of the football is going to be more reliable this year? In your opinion, offense or defense? You got to choose now. Which side are you uh, you riding with to win you the most ball games?
7: Well, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Watching these games, it's hard to really say because both have done well at times, and both have need improvement. I mean, the defense is supposed to be the strength, and we couldn't stop the Jets. Uh, in the first game. Then we come against the Giants and they go down and march on, on the field. We do a good job against the Lions. So, obviously, each week there's a different habit to break. But you've also, also got to give them a little grace because they're learning a new system. Here's what I really think. I think you're going to see an improvement in October and November. I think you're going to see some errors in September because here's why. you got the shell of a... Everol slash Big Bangio where they, they really depend on a shell coverage. You have last year four, three players now converting to playing a 3-4 and learning. They still got some players that they have to figure out which area of the field they're going to play in and situation on third down. right? Do we blitz Frankie Lubu or do we let him drop in coverage? But if you drop in coverage, can he cover Kyle Pitts. Are they going to try to isolate Kyle Pitts, right? We're talking about the first game. Uh, everybody's talking about Drake London, but uh, Collins is doing good. He's a guy, he's put on some weight, and he can run some pretty sharp routes uh, from UNC Chapel Hill uh, a couple of years ago. So you got to just be careful. There's going to be a lot of adjustments being made, and, and I think they're still not finished with picking up players just because of the type of defense that they're going to run and the carryover of the old regime and and that 4-3.
6: Well, and and you took part of that last question just in terms of the Falcons, because I don't know what to make of them. Maybe you can break this down for the folks that are hearing it, but don't get to see what's going on at Flowery Branch or elsewhere. So much talk about positionless football. They drafted B. John Robinson eighth. You know, they've, they've stacked athletes over there on the offensive side, but they are still depending on Desmond Ritter, who's completely unproven in the NFL. Just give me your thoughts on the viability of the Falcons in the NFC South and what kind of team Arthur Smith has going into his third season.
7: Well, Arthur Smith is going to run the football. He believes in that. That's what he did when he was in Tennessee. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of get a bad rap as being, you know, a, a, a homer with the Carolina Panthers. I, you know, I've made jokes and fun and trolling people. But at the end of the day, um, Desmond Ritter, has, he's, he hasn't proven anything. Right? Um, he played later in the season, and they, and people and are like, well, he didn't throw any interceptions. Just because you didn't know, throwing any interceptions. Trey Lance didn't throw any interceptions in the game, and he looked he looked pretty bad. He got a touchdown off of a DB dropping a pass. He also threw a, a potential interception to a linebacker uh, who used to play safety. Hence, why he plays defense. It's going to be a real interesting game, the Battle of I-85. I'm I'm really looking forward to. You got two. Let's be honest. You got two inexperienced quarterbacks for the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. And I think it's going to be based off game plan, right? You know, Frank Wright is calling the plays in the first half and Thomas Brown is calling in the second half. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. Some people saying that Thomas Brown is calling on you know, Frank Wright. There they're, they're, is situational play calling by both guys, and they're trying to throw you off and give you understanding of who's doing what. But at the end of the day, we're going to watch the Carolina Panthers right before our eyes mold into the team they're going to be. Are there going to be some games we wish we had back? Yes. There's going to be some games we're going to surprise some people. There's going to be some games that we're going to close our eyes because we're not sure what's going to happen. That's the that's the growth and the learning curve of a new staff, new players, new position. And just, you know, buckle up, buttercup. That's just how it's going to be. And you have to be patient.
6: Yep. Steve Smith, hey, you bring the energy every week. You just keep getting better at this media thing, man. And we damn sure appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Monday.
0: Appreciate it you tuned in to Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio
3: 92.7 WFNZ. The
1: exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.